What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period, an All the Above podcast extra. We like to drop these in between our full episodes. Our full episodes, as you know, are um, really dope and they have dope guests and a look at multiple headlines and we throw those up on the YouTubes. We are a, uh, a video show, but also a podcast, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it takes a while to edit all that video and get that up there. So in between those full episodes, we drop these passing periods where it's just Jeff and I looking at stories that maybe didn't make it into our most previous full episode. And I am Manuel Restinger, favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And Jeff, man, we just had a super dope full episode. We had Roxana Duenas on to talk about the growth and expansion of ethnic studies throughout the K-12 school system. And Jeff, if I do recall correctly, our conversations on this show over the years about... Um, issues of, of justice and equity in education and uh, particularly bringing racial justice to our most minoritized and marginalized students. I, I do believe we solved the race issue here, Jeff, on all of the above. So I'm, <laughs> I don't know what we'll talk about today. I'm sure there's not much left to talk about in the realm of race and such. So Jeff, um, what's good, man? What, what, what's happening during this passing period today? Yeah, man. Well, um, you are correct. Solved it. Okay. Hashtag nailed it. This is the end of today's episode. Cool. All right. We will check you a week thanks from now. For thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. So uh, back to reality. Uh, sure. Sure. Didn't solve it. And uh, man, well, I have to say today's we often cover stories and I know I'm guilty of saying this like every other episode. But like we often cover stories where we're like, yo, this is so wild. I can't believe this is happening. Okay, like, you know, crazy racist white teachers in Idaho dressing up as Mexicans in border walls for Halloween. Oh, I remember and, that. You know, like, um, <clears throat> pardon me, schools that won't let, you know, like Muslim students uh, run in a cross-country meet if they are wearing a hijab because of some stupid uniform regulation. Like, just... You know, crazy oh, things. That was okay? a, man, we've covered a lot of stories. I forgot about that one too. <laughs> yeah, we've covered all kinds of stories where I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, and this is another time where I'm gonna say, man, well, I cannot believe this is happening. This is craziness, like complete insanity. What is going on in the world? Okay. So uh, the topic we're gonna dig into today comes to us in an article put out by Intelligent.com. I am was not familiar with Intelligent.com before this. Uh, before encountering this story, but I do need to give them a shout out because they did this fantastically interesting uh, survey analysis of white people applying to college in this country and asking them whether or not they have lied about the race that they are. If they have falsely represented their race on an application process, okay? And at the bottom of the essay, they say like, hey, if you want to get the raw data, like email us and we'll give you the raw data. And this lovely person named Julia uh, promptly responded to our email and gave us the raw data, which is fascinating. So props to intelligent.com, I guess. Um, but Manuel, it's, I mean, just the framing of the question, right? It's, it's bad. You know it's bad. But it's worse than you think it is. It's worse than you think it is, okay? The headline of the article is 34% of white college students lied about their race to improve chances of admission and financial aid benefits, okay? 34% is in more than one out of three, okay? Now, 
let's go a little bit deeper into that data because there are some very important schisms to note, all right? The first one is that there's a heavy gender split in the data. So male students, 48%, nearly half of the white male students, and they surveyed, uh, I believe, tw uh, over 1,200 um, yeah, 1250. white Americans, 1,250 white Americans who have all applied for college, okay? Almost half of the white males said that they falsely claimed to be a racial minority on a college application, whereas 16% of the white women did. Now, I'm not letting the white women off the hook. That 16% is whack, and I don't know if we could go, like, get them from their college and, like, kick them out for some kind of ethnic ethics violation or what, but nearly one out of two white male students is lying right now, okay, on their application, according to this data, or, you know, if we are to extrapolate out this data suggests that that may be the case, which is just insane, okay? The other piece to note is that who are they claiming to be, right? 48%, nearly half of the people who made this false claim claim to be Native American, okay? So pull some Elizabeth Warren stuff, okay? Now, I'm not trying to dig up the drama about the election, but I'm just saying it's a thing that people do Right. And and there's there's uh, versions of this across, at least across black folks in this country and across white folks in this country and be like, oh, yeah, you know, you're whatever your great, great, great uncle married a Cherokee woman or whatever it is. Right. Um, and, you know, we know from the DNA data nowadays that mostly that is lies. And and uh, even if it was your one one two hundred and thirty second you know, uh, Native American does not make you in any meaningful way Native American. Um, but these folks, it's even worse than that because it's not only just the folks who are claiming something that's not really a part of their identity, but folks who are intentionally claiming this. And it's no surprise to me that this number would be highest among Native Americans because they're often the smallest uh, racial minority group on college campuses. And there's sort of no... Um, you know, phenotypical way in a lot of cases for people who would be, you know, mixed race to easily spot like who the liars are when they show up on campus. Okay. So, man, this is, this is just bananas to me, man. Well, when I saw this story, I, I hit you up and I was like, we got to talk about this, man. Cause like, seriously, what is happening, man? <laughs> why, why is it happening in the world? Please help. Talk on this, please. You know, your, your struggle there to find the words for this, I can appreciate that because this is one of those things where you can't help but just laugh at the ridiculousness of it. But underneath all the, just how clownish this is, it's just a, a, a deep, deep anger. Like I am just enraged when I think about this and I'm enraged, not because they took spots and opportunities that may have benefited students of color. And I'm enraged, not because they're continuing the violent and destructive settler colonialism that's diminished native people since 1492. And, and I'm not mad because they're lying in an already really muddled, messy, college application process that that my students are being really honest and principled on. And I'm not mad because they're fueling the stereotypes and the misconceptions that people of color get like some kind of special treatment. 
I'm mad and I'm enraged because these fools actually believe that there's a competitive advantage to being a person of color. Like they actually believe that that we are the ones who have a leg up. Like they think that the, the playing field is tipped in our favor. So like, let me put down that I'm Native American or let me put down that I'm black. And that's gonna, gonna help me get some of this money or help me get some of these spots. Like they, despite all the evidence to the contrary, they're still out here thinking that like, affirmative action, diversity hires, this, that, whatever, is like really what's out there and holding uh, white folks back. Like they really think that by indicating that they're a racial minority, that they're gonna have better chances at, at getting through, getting into college and doing all these things. Like, I guess that's what makes me the most upset because it's such a vile and toxic belief out there that like despite centuries of oppression like somehow some way racial minorities are the ones now who have the privilege and have the advantage and and like oh i only didn't get hired hired because they wanted to you know they wanted to uh be more diverse so they went for this other person even though and it's just uh i mean it's I mean, I mean, Jeff, for for you and I, it's it's clear that that's not the case. It's clear that the play field is not tipped in our favor by any means. But for folks to actually indicate this on the application means that they really do believe it. Like they really do believe that somehow, some way, uh, you know, Native American folks have an advantage when it comes to to applying for college. You know, my students in my um, ethnic studies classes, we um. We they just watched a video, a really short video produced by uh, Teen Vogue on uh, misconceptions, um, common misconceptions of, of Native peoples. And this Teen Vogue video is really dope. It's only like three minutes and they have uh, several um, Native girls who are teenage girls who are kind of addressing some of the, the misconceptions that people have about Native peoples. And uh, my students watch that and, you know, I'm asking them like, which of these misconceptions like stands out most to you and this, that, whatever. And like a few of the misconceptions were about, one was like the, a misconception that that native peoples get government handouts or that they don't pay taxes or that they're all rich off of casino money and this and that. And in discussing the video with my students, my students were like just really confused. They're like, I've never heard that native people like don't pay taxes or that they get government. Like my students were confused. They're like, how is this a common misconception? I never even heard this. And you know why my students didn't know that these were misconceptions? Because they don't live amongst like privileged, entitled white folks who go around talking about that sort of crazy stuff. Like my students are predominantly students of color who live mostly among people of color. And like, they don't grow up hearing these things about how minorities get all the all the benefits now and how like, because of diversity and because of this and that, whatever, it's so much easier if you're a minority. Like they don't hear that type of crazy stuff. So when they saw this video, they're like, who says that about native peoples? Yeah, man, this is just a... Uh, Oh man, it's 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 wild. Half, almost half of white male college applicants indicated that they're a racial minority knowing that they're not. And this isn't some old like, oh, I thought I had some, uh, you know, I thought I had a, a great, great uncle who was Native American. No, this is some like, I admit in this survey, I'm admitting that I lied about my status and no one's gonna check. So F it. Oh yeah. man, Jeff, it's, that's bad, man. Yeah. That's bad. It's it's infuriating. It's absolutely infuriating, and it uh, you know the the tragedy even beyond that, Manuel, is that it's working for them. Okay, so another piece of the data that is just disheartening to read is that 
75%, right? Three out of four of the people who lied about their, um, their racial background were accepted by the college that they lied to. Yep. Okay? Now, there could be, you know, there, I mean, who knows exactly what to make of that data, right? Um, I'm sure, a, a, you know, they would be like, see, I told you it's reverse racism, and I, and I you know, exposed the woke mob liberal thought, okay? Um, another way to look at it could be like you, you maybe were a competitive applicant and would have been accepted anyways. So, um, you know, who knows exactly. But the fact that in their mind and in the outcomes for them, it's working is deeply troubling and does, frankly, uh, Manuel, raise a question for me of like, oh, so do we need to start doing some sort of verification? on these kinds of things, right? Because, um, you know, what's, what, because think about this, like why do we ask about race in college admissions, right? And of course we have like a racist Supreme Court and, you know, lots of like judicial background that has largely handicapped our ability to, to have the conversation we know we actually need to have about this, which is more in the line of like reparations, okay? But, there is also a contemporarily accepted and legally accepted um, uh, priority and, and you know, sort of mandate for schools, which is we are training young people to become successful professionals, leaders, you know, scholars, etc., um, in the world. And the world is full of all different kinds of people with different backgrounds. And so we want to train people in a context that reflects the diversity and strength and beauty of the world so that our graduates can function successfully in that world. And these folks are undermining that institutional priority by lying and by, you know, essentially, um, you know, skewing the data at school sites. There is presumably, Manuel, a significant number of schools, if we are to believe that this data can be extrapolated out, you know, more broadly, there may be a significant number of schools in this country that have significantly less racial diversity on campus than they think because half the white guys Man. walking around are <laughs> said they were <laughs> Latino or Native American or black or Asian. Okay? So think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. And then now let's think about like the the whole like well who's they love they the opponents of affirmative action love to say like oh you're taking our seats okay no well now who's taking our seats okay <laughs> like yeah. these folks this is craziness man so uh, you know we've reached this point in history where we went from like full slavery to like okay okay no slavery but like full Jim Crow to like, okay, let's have some affirmative action to like, no, 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 we can't do affirmative action. We have to do all these other things that are affirmative action but aren't affirmative action to now let's have reverse affirmative action <laughs> where we are, we are, you know, over admitting white people who are pretending to be people of color uh, in the college admissions process. And this is, this is just like, you know, man, well, honestly, yeah. like it, it comes to a point where I'm like, I don't I don't uh, subscribe to the say the like nation of Islam's notions about, you know, folks being devils and stuff. OK, definitely do not. 
And there are times when stuff like this happens where I'm like, I understand how people came to that conclusion. <laughs> well, because like folks are out here just being like intentionally manipulative and deceitful to, to do harm to those around them. And how do you explain this, you know, this behavior? It's, you know, it takes some discipline to look at this and be like, okay, I'm not going to make sweeping statements about everyone. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to like see this with some dispassionateness for what it is and describe it as what it is and not just write off whole groups of people. Right. Um, but this is, it's just, it disgusts me, Manuel. And as I started my career as a college admissions officer and, uh, it's disgusting to think that um, there are people, you know, being this level of manipulative um, in that process and people who have already, uh, you know, access to many layers of what privilege looks like um, in this country uh, is just it, it just leaves such a nasty taste in the mouth, man. It's hard to it's hard yeah. to swallow. Yeah, well, these survey respondents are rather young. Uh, the survey was um, 16 to, well, 16 and older. And, you know, these are college applicants. So a lot of them I could presume are, um, you know, 16, 17, 18. So that makes me think like, well, m maybe Jeff, maybe this, um, these lies and these falsehoods that they're putting on their applications, maybe it's a reflection of the, the broken households, Jeff. Um, struggling struggling communities where these young people are being raised to to believe in these lies and to believe that um yeah you should lie about your racial background because you know reverse racism all that stuff so yeah maybe maybe we have to look at the households jeff maybe we have to question uh, what environments these these young people are being raised in to lie on these documents these documents that so very clearly state multiple times that you know i certify that all the information i put on here is correct and not false and this and that so yeah, Jeff, I don't know, maybe we have to question the households. This does make me think about that USC admissions scandal. And obviously anybody that listens to the podcast know that I am a uh, proud UCLA Bruin and UCLA has many faults and UCLA was not uh, totally unconnected to that admission scandal. But, you know, we're going to talk about USC here for a minute. And Jeff, in that USC admission scandal, it was these uh, rich folks, these rich families, uh, white families that were um, lying in all these different ways to get their kids into USC. And I could just imagine those are probably a lot of the types of families that would have their young people or would raise young people to lie on their applications about their racial background. So I do wish... I mean, I'm just kind of curious uh, what the survey data would look like if you like broke it down by, um, you know, what schools these folks apply to or what kinds of schools these folks apply to. And it makes me also think about, you know, I revisited the Khalif Browder documentary on Netflix. Um, I think it's called Time, uh, the Khalif Browder story. And for those who are unfamiliar, Khalif Browder was the young man in the Bronx, a 16 year old kid who was arrested on really wobbly and ended up being false claim that he stole someone's backpack and that the backpack had 700 bucks in it. Long story short, uh, he could not afford bail. And then for various various reasons, um, all the complexities of the criminal justice system and the way it destroys people, he ended up being behind bars in Riker, on Rikers Island for three years without, uh, without a full trial. Three years, and then the charges were dropped. And those three years were some um, intensely horrible years for him. And he ended up dying by suicide because of the experience. And one thing that, that resonates in the documentary is him saying that in Rikers Island, 
right isn't right and wrong isn't wrong. Like he was really confused about how these notions of right and wrong and how you're, how things are supposed to go, how they're totally upside down in, in Rikers Island. And he couldn't reconcile that as a principled young man, he couldn't reconcile the fact that the correctional officers weren't helping him um, when he was, when the other, other incarcerated folks were being violent towards. He couldn't reconcile that. And this makes me think of that because we raised students, I raised students certainly to believe in the the basic principles of integrity and standing for who you are. And as a nation, we emphasize so much this idea of bootstraps and hard work and, and being committed and being dedicated. And this is just another indicator that that's not how it works for everybody. Like we, the minoritized folks, we, the uh, historically oppressed folks, we are the ones who are supposed to be working hard and doing this and doing that. And that's, you know, those are the reasons why we're behind because we don't work hard enough or we don't do this enough or whatever. We complain too much of this and that. Yet here we have uh, 1,250 white college applicants who, almost half of them, uh, or at least for the males, lie on their application. Where's the principle there? Where's the, the integrity there? And you have just information like this that comes out that just shows the the rules are different. The rules are different for certain communities. And what we are raised to believe is the right way to go about chasing your American dream isn't the way that other folks go about it, whether it's paying their way for bribing um, to get spots into USC, you know, college admission scandal, or lying on application about your uh, racial um, background to, because, to get supposedly some kind of leg up. Like, it's just really, really heartbreaking to always see the hypocrisy right in your face, to just see it right in your face for your entire life that you are supposed to do everything exactly this way, exactly correct, and things will work out for you. But then right in your face, the same vo voices who are saying that are not playing by those same rules. Right is not right in the same way in, in certain other communities. So it's just very, very, very enraging. This like, you can't help but laugh. This is just uh, just uh, just terrible stuff. And you know, it makes me think of the recent uh, headlines in the NFL about uh, Aaron Rodgers and him, you know, lying about his, his vaccination set, like the entitlement. There's just the entitlement of just thinking that like, you don't have to play by the same rules because why should you? You're, you know, you're an American. No one's going to tell you what to do. Like, wait, how come everybody else has to play by the rules, but you don't? Like, it's just time and time again, we see that and it's just so trash. And um, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, And, and everybody else, Manuel, has to to not a insignificant extent has to worry about the literal their literal physical safety if they are not playing by the rules. Yeah. Now you might have to worry about your physical safety even if you are playing by the rules. <laughs> okay? But like especially when you know you're not playing by the rules, it could become a matter of life and limb, right? Or it could become just a matter I'm forgetting her name, but like the woman in um Oh, God, I'm forgetting where. I want to say it was like in Ohio who sent her a uh, black woman who's, who, you know, lied about her address and sent her kids to a neighboring school yeah. district. Right. And then got literally sentenced to prison. Like yep. the people of her state are paying $50,000 a year to incarcerate this woman for multiple years for attempting to get her child a better education. OK, now think think about the like just the cruelty 
the construct of cruelty that has to be present here to make something like that true at the same time as we see this data with white folks lying at huge rates uh, to try to gain an unfair advantage um, into college, to try and gain an unfair advantage in competition for scholarships, okay? And, and colleges and scholarships often, of course, are also, uh, you know, supported with federal dollars. So, you know, there, there's like fraud implications that are <laughs> like literal criminal fraud implications that could, could be present here, and yet not a single one of these people is, has any worry about this, okay? So it is just, uh, it, it is, you know, it's shocking and it is also super illustrative of the nature of things. I'm, I'm glad you used that word entitlement and thinking about, you know, this ridiculous Aaron Rodgers situation, right? Um, funny enough, Manuel, the, the raw data of the survey is broken down by age and it shows that the age range with the greatest percentage uh, of responses to the survey was actually 35 to 44 year olds, okay? 35 to 44 year olds. And you know, these folks, so these are folks who graduated from college like between 13 and you know, 20, uh, 22 years ago, okay? And when we look at their response rate of falsely claiming to be a racial minority, it is higher than the overall average, right? It's 43% for those folks, okay? Relative to about 32% or close to 33% overall. So it's fascinating who the, the people are who have this perception that they are, you know, they're the real victims of racism in this country. That, um, you know, that they're the folks who are at a disadvantage uh, in, in this, you know, in how privilege manifests in our society. And that because of that, they have a right to, you know, sort of game the system in whatever way they want in order to, to benefit themselves, right? Even despite almost all the evidence, to, you know, to the contrary, right? Um, and, and we don't have class data in this survey here. So mm -hmm. that's, an, that's a variable we, we don't have to, to know about like where these white folks are coming from. But um, suffice it to say, it was not entirely low income white people who this survey sample was made of who are really you know struggling day to day. Um, so yeah, man, this, this is crazy. So many uh, implications here. And honestly, I'm surprised we haven't heard like maybe more about this in yeah. this sort of high, higher ed news space. Absolutely. Like, so. like this kind of came and went. I mean, I know yeah. there's a lot going on and that's kind of just the way of the world now, but it's just like, this is a, there should be a lot of discussion about what to do about this. Like if you're, especially for major school systems, like there's no auditing of your racial background. It's not like you put it on the application, then you, you show up to orientation and they're, you know, they match it up and they're like, oh, hey, you don't look how you like that. There's no, it's just, there's nothing on the back end, right? So not that there even necessarily should be because that'd be kind of weird. Like, how does that even look But look like? But like, yeah, something should be done about this. I don't know what that answer is, but there should be discussion. And I'm not hearing much discussion, if at all, around like what to do about this. These are big numbers, Jeff. And granted, this is a survey. And, you know, it's not like this was part of some big research paper or anything, but like 
these are big enough numbers that like it definitely warrants some further discussion, some further research and some ideas about what to do about it. Because I mean, obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but to me, the, the main thing about what to do about it would be obviously to dispel these notions from these young people's minds that like there's some kind of um, competitive advantage to being a person of color. Like, you know, that of course could come through um, some more rigorous pedagogy, some more rigorous ethnic studies courses. And uh, dare I say it, Jeff, perhaps, perhaps a, a theory that could help us with this and a framework, a lens, if you will, that we could use to uh, help students understand um, how all this functions is um, critical you know, race theory. Good old critical race theory. CRT. Yes, maybe, maybe, you know, long term, <laughs> perhaps education could be the way to deal with this. But for now, if I'm, you know, this a state university here or a private college there, like if I really do want a diverse incoming group of students, to your point, Jeff, about you know uh, the educational benefits of that. Yeah, I want to make sure they're not lying about who they are. And I don't quite know what that looks like or how to do that. But yeah, we should be hearing more about this, Jeff. There should be more talk out there about this particular story. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, man. Agreed. And I, you know, I don't know exactly what to do about it, but we got to do something about it, man, because this is, whew, this, this is just, uh, it's denial of opportunity gaming a system that's already gamed. Uh, to to co further concentrate privilege and, and power, and uh, it's it's disheartening, man. Of all the battles we have to fight, I was hoping this might not have to be one of them, man. Well, for real, but, but but here we are. For real. All right. Well, folks, there's that. I guess that's that on that. If you have. Certainly, if you're listening to this, certainly uh, those of you who might be listening to this who work in the higher education space, we would love to hear your thoughts um, about this and about any discussions you've been part of or have heard in terms of um, strategies or thoughts about how colleges and and um, not just colleges, scholarships and all this. I mean, these aren't just like, you know, this wasn't just to get into college. This was also to get some of that uh, scholarship and grant money that's out there. But so, yeah, if you're listening to this and you have any um, any experience in those conversations, definitely reach out to us. Definitely let us know your thoughts because, yeah, this is a it's a lot, man. It's a lot. But here we are on All of the Above where we explore and discuss and analyze um, all these various challenges in the world of education. And we very much appreciate those of y'all who continue to um, listen and support us. And, you know, if you haven't, haven't done so already, you could absolutely positively, if you're curious about uh, ways that you could support our, our work here, you know, Jeff and I are full-time educators. There's no official sponsorships or anything like that, that, um, that help us out with paying for the, the equipment and the web hosting and all that stuff. So, by all means, if you're like, you know what, I want to contribute to these uh, these folks' good work and uh, and do all that, you could definitely hit us up at aotashow.com slash support. There's a whole little section there about support, and there's multiple ways to support from, from buying some of our merchandise or uh, contributing vers uh, via Cash App or Venmo. And there's even a, an option there to make a, a monthly contribution of uh, 99 cents or or more if you can. So um, so yeah, definitely hit us up there, aotashow.com slash support. And um, I think that about does it for this, for this passing period. We hope everyone's doing well. Our next full episode is coming at you one week from today, and it's going to be super dope. We got a, a really dope guest in the building, Michael Essien, and um, not Michael Essien, the, the footballer, for those of you who 
who follow uh, the soccer world. This is uh, Michael Essien, the middle school principal up in the Bay Area who has done uh, phenomenal work um, up there with um, community schooling and, and taking a whole school approach. So you don't wanna miss that. That's coming at you one week from today. But for now, it's time for you to go ahead and get to class. <laughs> 